Hello, Real Talk listeners. Welcome back to our series of Dysfunctional Teens. Ah. Part three. Part three of our series of uh, Dysfunctional Teens. We are talking about lack of commitment amongst your team in the workplace. Michelle, let's talk about lack of commitment. Lack of commitment. Yo, that's a funny one. We've heard, um, if you have been anywhere near leadership or leadership training in the past 40 years, you've heard that the easiest way to achieve success as a leader is to get your team to buy in. That was probably the word that I've heard from most of my career is you've got to have buy-in, right? And it's the easiest way. It's not the only way because there's always going to be some people who don't buy in. And that's when you go, okay, I don't care if you believe it or not, but you still have to do it because that's what I pay you for, right? But it makes your job so much easier. There was an analogy that um, someone used in one of our workshops that was an incredible analogy. I started by saying we were talking about buy-in in particular and how some of the easiest ways for you to get buy-in from your team. And he kept resisting the idea that to get buy-in, often the only thing that needs to happen is people need to feel heard. Doesn't mean you have to agree with their opinions. It doesn't mean you have to apply what they ask for, but it does mean they need to feel that their, their voice or their opinion was truly heard in the decision-making process, right? Can, you, we were, can we, we dive into that a little bit? Because I get that a lot, right? Like I'm not being heard. What the hell does that mean? Because I'm listening. Perfect. So we actually used um, a very specific example because he pushed back and he said, but they don't get to decide what our goals are. You know, the company decides what our goals are. And I said, you're absolutely right. Of course, the ultimate strategy is designed by your senior or your executive leaders, right? And then it goes down department heads, start to figure out how they contribute to that strategy. And they define some goals. And then it gets down to individual team levels. And as leaders, you decide how you contribute to that department goal. And then you set some goals for your individual teams. At least that's the way it should work, right? Um, And so he was at one of those individual team levels, not at a department or an executive level. And he said, they don't get to decide what our goals are. And I'm like, "You're, you're absolutely right. But who knows better how to achieve those goals? You or the people doing the work. So why can't you have a team meeting and say, here's our goal. We're going to get to this goal, but I'm going to need your help to figure out how we get there. Let's talk about it. And then they can start to provide their input or their opinions on how to achieve that goal. I think it has to be focused on the tangible stuff. Another really great example, um, someone that, that we worked with had such a high load of work that his team, his entire facility needed to be able to produce that they were working six days a week. They were working overtime every single week um, and they were getting burned out and they were getting frustrated. He started to see turnover numbers increase as a result of that burnout. He also started to see reduction in quality, reduction in efficiency, 
People started goofing off at work because they needed a break somewhere. We also saw an increase in safety incidences because people are tired, right? And so he sat down and he asked himself, he was like, so what, how do I handle this? He said, okay, here's how I'm going to handle it. And he went out to the group and he put the numbers on the board and he said, by the end of the week, this is what we have to produce. And then he goes, if you meet that number on Wednesday, you don't work for the rest of the week. If you meet that number on Friday, no work on Saturday. He's like, this is the number. How do we make it happen? And all of a sudden, people had tons of input on how to achieve their goal. I want to step back a second before we dig into this even more. And I want to talk about why that happens. Now, I'm going to steal, I'm going to borrow and give credit. Kuzis and Posner wrote a book or a series of books based on leadership principles. Um, One of my favorite is the entire book called The Leadership Challenge. And in that, there is one of the principles that's, that's about empowering others to act, okay? And I watched a really short video that Poser did about that in, in general. And he used a quick analogy with the group. He asked the group to stand up if they had ever rented a rental car. And most of the room stood up. And he said, stay standing if you washed that car before you returned it. And everybody sat down because people don't wash rental cars. And then he said, stand up if you own your own car or have ever owned your own car. And most of the room stands up. And he says, stay standing if you've ever cleaned or had your car cleaned. And the whole room stays standing. And he said, but why? And they go, because the rental cars don't mind. When we don't give people the feeling that they own something, that they're part of something, they will always treat it like a rental car. They will turn it in with their fast food bags in the back seat, their mud prints on the floorboard, the salt from driving through the snow. It will always come back to the rental car that way when people don't feel they have any ownership. And guess what? We said, we said every time that all of these dysfunctions interplay with each other. And here's the big one. If people do not feel they can be heard, even when they disagree with you as a leader, you will not get their commitment. You will not get their buy-in. Lack of commitment manifests as a fake yes. People nod and smile in the meeting because they know they don't have a choice. And then they walk away and they do whatever they have to just not to get in trouble. Would you say commitment and dedication play hand in hand to where you could see an actual uh, result or number tied to those that actually stay with the company as a result? I would say for sure. When you feel like you're just on loan, that you don't get to have a voice in the direction you're always going to look for something that is more fulfilling. We, all people in the world, we spend a significant amount of time at work. Most of us, while not good, and you should probably talk to a therapist about it, most of us wrap our identity up in who we are at work. And you think about it, like, it's my least favorite question in the world. And so I don't answer with my career, but 
if you meet anybody in the airport or just sitting and chatting with somebody, they'll be like, oh, what do you do? We wrap our identities up in who we are. And if you feel like you are just a number or a cog, you have no opinions or thoughts related to your job, people are going to leave. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's a a critical component. When you take a look at those that aren't committed, you know, gosh, it's almost like a relationship, lack of commitment. And a a personal relationship is the same result, right? You're not committed. You're going to wander. Your eyes are going to wander. Same thing with when you look at commitment from work. I think you have, and like you mentioned, it builds. So if your leader doesn't provide a foundation of trust, and then you don't have healthy conflict amongst your team, then you're not going to get commitment. And you're going to see team members that aren't going to stick around if they don't have feel like they have some sort of solid opportunity to provide their feedback and their opinion, whether or not something has to remain the same, at least a, a, dis- a healthy discussion can happen around it. Not this is just the way things are going to be. Right. And I even think when you talk about the non-negotiables, like that these are the thing, the way things are going to be, I feel like if you just pause and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. Let's talk about what might get in our way so we can get ahead of it before it happens. That at least puts people in a place where they can be transparent about how this decision is going to impact their lives, their job, their teams, or their direct reports jobs, right? At least then we can start looking at the bigger picture and get out of our silos of mandating decisions. I tell you comfortably, when I don't own it, I'm less likely to be as proactive as I need to be. When I'm not committed, I don't feel like my decisions or my opinions are part of the process, I am absolutely less likely to get ahead of stuff than I would without it. And you know what? Whatever, I'm telling you, somebody's going to send us a note and say, Michelle, you're a really bad example of an employee. No, I'm a really honest example of an employee. You just don't want to hear it. So sorry about your luck. (laughs) That's quite possible. That is quite that I'm a bad employee. No, that they just don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, they just don't want to hear it. A lot of places, things that you can work on immediately, you can allow people to be a part of the process. You can allow people to answer very direct. Like, it's okay for you to lead the conversation. What challenges do you think we're going to have if we do this? How do we overcome those challenges? What do we need to do to get in front of this? Um, But it can also happen when decisions, direction, and and priorities aren't super clear. There's too much ambiguity around it. Um, One of the things that we should copyright all the really cool things that I say. One of the things that I always tell leader is in the absence of information, people will fill in the blanks. Um, And usually they fill in the blanks with their past experience, right? Nobody will do something with only part of the information. What they will do is they will pause, they will talk to, they will gossip. It won't be productive talk. They'll gossip. They'll try to get the holes filled in with some kind of information. 
Um, and then what you've got is people committing based on wrong information. They don't even understand um, what's happening in the process. You know, I experienced that um, at a previous job when we implemented extra cleaning on the facility. And we didn't really go into the details of the fact that the external cleaning agency had required PPE for them to clean dirty, contaminant areas like a restroom. Um, and so they saw people coming in in like formal Tyvek stuff with goggles on their eyeballs. I have to tell you, if I had to clean somebody else's bathroom, that is totally what I would look like if I had to do it, like three layers of gloves and stuff. But um, we didn't explain kind of that why, that that was just their company's requirement for that particular process. And so when they came in the first time to do it, everybody flipping freaked out. And instead of what we failed to do was give them the information quickly. So they started talking to each other. And then one person talked about a flu bug that was going around. And then it was, do you remember probably three years ago, there was some really bad flu virus, flu-like, not flu, stomach virus. And it, you could have stomach issues for like five months. I don't remember what it was called. But so that was going around and they were all like, that's what this is about. We've got it. Oh my God, I had a stomach ache. Mo, do, do you think I should call in sick for work? And everything went on a rampage. And what we were really just trying to do was streamline our cleaning process, use the same agency for every location so we can maximize our discount. And that happened to be their PPE. Like there was nothing except we changed vendors. But again, there was too much ambiguity. It wasn't clear. People didn't understand what was going on. So they sought their own clarity, made their own decisions, and they committed based on what they decided this was about. You may have to revisit stuff again and again. Um, working through COVID-19, um, it's a global pandemic. Most people have never experienced that. I cannot tell you how many times I had to say the same message over and over to the same leaders um, because I wanted it to be clear. I wanted to make sure they had the information they needed to be successful in their roles. And they're so distracted by so many other things. This wasn't their top priority, right? And so I've revisited the same conversations at least a dozen times. And that's okay because I wanted to gain clarity. So it's not just about hearing people's voices. It's about making sure they understand why they understand all of the pieces of that direction that maybe they're allowed to ask questions. I know it's a strange concept. Let people ask questions, <laughs> but it might help them fill in the blanks with the correct answers versus the ones they will make up as a result you tend to get buy-in from people when they feel like they're part of the process. You tend to get execution correctly because people know all of the direction. Um, and to your point and what you asked earlier, you end up with highly engaged folks because they know the role they play in contributing to that decision that we have all committed on or committed to. Yeah, that's important. I, I, I think, you know, you've kind of rounded it off really well. Commitment is extremely important. It builds layers upon layers and it literally takes a 
a whole team in order to understand that foundation. I can't tell you how many times we've coached leaders on how they present and they communicate to their teams and giving them the whiffums and all of that, right? And so they need to understand the foundational pieces, but they also need to feel heard. So Michelle, I think you've done a fantastic job at talking about the commitment and how we stay committed to an organization through their change or through their communication styles or in a team dynamic. So this is essentially like we talked about a sneak peek into the five dysfunctions of a team. And we will continue on in our next episode, uh, talking through the remaining uh, dysfunctions, which is avoiding accountability. So stay tuned. Bye, everyone.